God, we did not come here today to play church. We don't want to just go through the motions of another Sunday. We want you. We don't just want our behavior modified, our outside change. We want you to infuse your spirit within us, to take over all of us. God, we are desperate for you. We need you. I cannot change on my own, and I can't change anybody else. But you, the power of your spirit can. And so, Lord, we just, we're desperate for you, God. Just like the air we breathe is necessary for life, you are necessary for eternal life. And you have given us the gift of new life and what Christ has done for us. It is only grace. And it is only love. So, Lord, we, I pray, and I even encourage you, church, if you feel comfortable, you know, you see sometimes people raising their hands in worship. All that is is a sign of surrender. It's like, I'm all in, God. I trust you. And if you feel comfortable in this moment, can you just raise your hands in surrender to our God, if you are able to. If you can't raise your hands, just release your heart posture before God. And Lord, we say that we're all yours. This is a unified expression right now as a church. To say, God, will you come and do what only you can do among us? Will you break the chains that keep us back from you and the full life you have for us? We're done trying to fix ourselves. We're done trying to fix others. But we are ready for you to come and do within us what only you can do. Jesus, you said the Spirit was upon you to proclaim liberty to the captives, good news to the poor. But we are impoverished without you. We are captive to sin. We are within a broken world in desperate need of healing. Lord, will you come and by your Spirit bring about a transformation that only you can. We are yours, God. know that you have something, just as David prayed earlier, there's something that you want to say to every single heart in this room. So Lord, I pray that as we maintain this surrendered posture in our hearts before you, that you also open us up to hear what it is you want to say to us. That you would not only transform our thinking, but even transform our desires and what we truly love. May you reprioritize our love that you might be the one we love with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that from that, you might teach us how to love one another and love our communities where you place us. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Man, guys, like, I, I don't know about you, but like, God is here. And he's working and he's working right now. And just because the music stops doesn't mean he stops working. <laughs> right? Just because the emotional mood may change a bit, he is still at work. And I believe that what um, God gave me to share today 
Like, I, I really do believe is necessary for us if we're going to be open to what it is he wants to do in and through us as a church. Um, so I, I encourage you, please continue to keep your heart open um, as we continue in worship uh, by opening God's word together. Um, if you've been here a while, hopefully you've heard how we describe our shared vision as a church. And we, we've tried to say as often as we can that the reason why we exist as a church community is because we want to see people north of Boston and beyond become rooted in a relationship with Jesus, grow in their faith together, and reach out to serve their community in his love and in his truth. You know, we talk about frequently how, how first and foremost, as followers of Jesus, we are to, grow, to, to root ourselves or be nourished or shaped by our dynamic daily relationship with the living God. But we can't do that alone. How we need each other and the relationships we form with each other help us grow together. But as we grow together, we also realize that God has given us a mission together to share his love and his truth both through word and deed, with those who live, work, play around us. Right? That's a beautiful vision that God has for us as a church. And, and now we're going to pick up in week six of this current sermon series on the Holy Spirit. But what I, what I want you to see is that we've tried the best we can to structure this entire sermon series on the Holy Spirit to be in line with this vision. So in the first three weeks of this series, we talked about what it means to be grounded in a relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We talked about who the Holy Spirit is, how we connect with him, hear from him, and then how the Holy Spirit changes us. And then in the last two weeks, weeks four and five of this series, we looked at how the Spirit also equips us to grow together, how the Spirit gives us gifts from him that are meant to be used not just for ourselves, but to help one another grow. That if you follow Christ, the Spirit of God dwells inside of you. I mean, like, think about that for a second. I think I forget that some days. But if the Spirit is within you, then that means he's also equipped you to have a unique role within this community to help us grow together. And now as we enter week six, we're really entering the third part of the vision of this church. And we're going to see specifically how the Holy Spirit empowers us, not just to, to build up each other, encourage, comfort each other, but how he clothes us with his power so we might be fully equipped to serve our communities in love and share Jesus with others. So I'm pumped about this week, and next week we're going to build on this as well, continue on this theme of how does the Holy Spirit equip us outside these church walls. But before I do that, remember... Before Jesus ascended to heaven, some of his last words to his disciples is he says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That Jesus says that he is going to send us, give us the power of his spirit that is going to equip us as the church to live out the mission he has for us. But before I get right into that, I want to first talk about what is power. Because sometimes power is a nebulous idea, isn't it? I mean, what is it? 
And if you think about power, we might have all different, uh, you know, understandings of it. You know, for example, when I was a kid, power to me was only associated with superheroes. Right? My dad um, is an avid comic book collector. He even had, at one point, a, a fireproof room built in our house just to house his comic books. Like, my room was not fireproof. <laughs> right? That tells you something. So, like, I grew up in the world of Superman and Batman and Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, X-Men. And I just knew that because I was not an alien or a mutant or a billionaire, I was surely just one bad lab experiment away from getting those powers too, right? But then, as I got older, so, so, so early on, I thought, well, power is the superhuman ability to beat the bad guys. But as I got older, I took my first civics class in high school, and I learned about a whole different kind of power. That is, the power that comes with positions of authority to change society, to make laws, to, to, to shift things in the world. But then, I got my driver's license, and I got my first car. It was a red 1992 Acura Integra with manual transmission. Exactly like on the screen there. And I remember the first time I held that steering wheel in my hands. It was a whole new kind of power, right? But then, a decade or so later, when we had our first child, I remember holding my daughter in my arms for the first time. And I realized in that moment that I actually did have power. And I wanted to do everything in my power to protect nurture, care for her. That was power under control. You know, sometimes the word power just has negative connotations in our minds, doesn't it? But the reason why I give you all these examples is because I want us to see that it's actually a neutral thing. Simply put, power is the ability to effectively get something done or to make a difference. Power is just the means to another end. So the more important question here is not only what is power, but what is the end we're trying to change. You know, superheroes and villains both have power, but they use them for very different reasons. You know, I could have used my, my Acura to just get from A to B in a timely fashion, or I could have used it to race down the back alleyways of the warehouse district on the east side of Oak Ridge, Tennessee, right after school. Not that I actually did that, right? I mean, not that I actually did that. But when I became a dad, I learned that power is something to be controlled for the sake of loving. So when Jesus says that you are to receive power from the Holy Spirit, what kind of power is he talking about? But perhaps even more importantly, why do we need that power? If Jesus has given us the power of his spirit, to what end, what change or difference is the spirit hoping to bring about through us? And in order to get to these questions, we're going to begin by reading together Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 8. If you uh, have, want to grab one of these blue Pubeck Bibles in front of you, we're on page 882 together. And to give us a bit of context before you read, this is 
what we're about to read, Jesus has already died. He rose on the third day, and he has now appeared to his disciples and followers for 40 straight days in his resurrected body, instructing them, and he's about to ascend to the Father. But before he departs to the Father, he needs to impart the reality of why they need the power of his Spirit. So let's read Acts chapter 1. And can we stand up together? I know I don't always ask you to do this, but sometimes I just think standing allows us to be more engaged with our minds. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen... After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Everybody say gift. My father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now if you pray after me and say, God... Open my mind, but not just my mind, my heart too, and change my life by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. You will receive power. That's exactly what Jesus told his disciples right before the church was launched into the world. And we hear phrases like that, and I think, well, that sounds fun. (laughs) You will receive power. But before we talk about what this power is, we got to talk about why we need it. Because if power is the ability to effectively create change or make a difference, then what change is God trying to bring about in sharing his Spirit's power with us? Because really, we won't understand the nature of the Spirit's power until we understand God's kingdom vision for our communities and world. Let me say that again. We won't understand the nature of the Spirit's power. Or we might only understand part of it. But we won't understand all of it until we understand God's kingdom vision for our communities and world. So the book of Acts, which we just read from, was written by the doctor and historian Luke. The same Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke that gave the account of Jesus' life with his disciples. But now Luke picks up with with the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, which comes after Jesus has died, risen from the dead, and spent 40 days with his disciples, and he's about to ascend to heaven. And this says that during those 40 days, Jesus instructed them. He says, do not leave Jerusalem. He said, for the promise of God is about to come true. And what promise was that? Do you think in the past uh, few weeks, we've talked about the Old Testament. 
In places like Joel chapter 2, Ezekiel 36, promised that one day God would send his Holy Spirit to dwell within his people. But Jesus also reminds them. He said, remember, John the Baptist said it too. John said, and you can find that in Luke chapter 3, that he's going to baptize with water, but God is sending another one. Jesus is like, me, me, me. He's sending another one who will baptize you, immerse you with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, and now's the time. Now that promise is about to be fulfilled. And I can only imagine that the disciples were pretty pumped about this. (laughs) Don't you? But before they can receive it, Jesus has to make sure they understand the purpose of that power. For example, if I have the power of a hammer and I hand that over to my four-year-old son, it would be a complete neglect of my parenting if I didn't explain what a hammer is used for and what it's not used for. Right? I say, buddy, this is for building, not for the cat. Right? And until he understands what it's for and what it's not for, I don't feel comfortable handing him the power of that hammer. And so Jesus says, like, I'm going to give you guys this power, but I need you to understand why first. But it, and it's also clear that the disciples don't exactly get the why yet. They give Jesus a question in verse 6 that reveals their lack or at least narrow understanding here. And they say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And based on their question, you can see the disciples have three narrow misconceptions of what God is doing in the world. And Jesus must expand and correct that vision. And oh man, when I see their misconceptions, do I see myself and my own expectations at times. Because first, while we and the disciples may hope the Spirit's power will change our circumstances, His vision is to first change our hearts. So the disciples asked, are you going to restore the kingdom? What were they asking there? See, what they thought the power or the might of the Spirit was for was to give them the military strength to defeat Rome and all their other foreign enemies so that they could be a great free nation of justice and commerce again. Their first assumption was that if Jesus rose from the dead, like all their hopes were lost when he died, but now he rose again. All their hopes are reinvigorated that he's going to be the resurrected king ruling in Jerusalem and that they would now, like King David in the days of King David and Solomon, they would experience peace and prosperity. They envisioned that God's power was there to change their circumstances for good. But Jesus knew that the vision of power and change was much deeper. In time, in time, God promised that he would one day make all circumstances right. In time, he promised that Jesus will come again and he will rule from Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Right? He promises these things are going to happen. But he's saying, but, right, but I need you to understand, Jesus says, my kingdom is not going to be defined or confined by politics or geography because it is a spiritual kingdom. And he says, and when my spirit comes, he's not just going to change circumstances, but he's first going to bring God's rule over the human heart. 
As we talked about in week three, the Spirit has the power to change the heart of stone and to make it a heart of love and to transform our character and who we are to become like Jesus. But many times, like, I've, just, I've been just like the disciples. I'm experiencing pain, struggle, the difficulty of life. And my prayer is, God, will you change all that's going on around me? I don't even think to ask him to change me. <laughs> I, want his, I want his power to change my world for me, not change me. I want his power to bring me back to what's familiar, what's comfortable, when really his power, he wants to also shape me like Jesus, even in the middle of the uncomfortable. I got quiet just now. That's okay. But the power of God's spirit works in us so that he may then work through us. So the first misconception, Jesus had to deepen their understanding of the Spirit's power and what he came to transform. But what was their second misconception? And how does that compare with Jesus' vision? Second, we may hope the Spirit's power will bless our church and nation, but his vision is for all people and nations. The disciples' question was, he said, it showed that their, their vision only went as far as their own people, the kingdom of Israel. I mean, after all, Israel, the, the, the Jews, they were God's holy, set-apart people, right? So doesn't that mean that if they're the set-apart people, then all of God's power is going to be for them and for those who think and worship like them? But if we've got to go back to the Old Testament for this, and God said, that was actually never my vision, he told the Israelites, Isaiah 49, he said, I did set you apart so that you would then become a light for the Gentiles or the other nations and that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. And he said in Isaiah 43, he said to Israel, he said, you forgot, you are to be my witnesses to others who do not know me. So you see, Jesus in this moment has to broaden the scope of their vision saying that they were not just to be witnesses just in Jerusalem and Judea, but also among the Samaritans, whom many Israelites hated, and to the ends of the earth that even involved the Gentiles. But see, the heart of God has, has always been that all people might know him, thus the power of his spirit the very first act was that he gave his disciples in Acts chapter 2 the ability to speak multiple languages out in the streets of Jerusalem as everyone's gathering for the Feast of Pentecost. Right? He, they all of a sudden had the ability to speak multiple languages so that people from all nations could now hear the message of Jesus in their own heart language. And that therefore they could be transformed as well by the power of the Spirit. And that even included the Samaritans and the Gentiles. And see, if this is God's vision, then we can trust that the power of God's Spirit is not only at work here, but the power of God's Spirit is also at work in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our day-to-day -day lives. And we understand the power of God's Spirit doesn't want to just work in our nation. 
but he wants to work in all the nations of this world. So yes, the Spirit is at work among us. I see it, and I praise God for it, don't you? But his power is never given to us that it might be contained with us. His power is never given to us that it might be contained with us. But God's vision is that for his people to be all, to be a witness of the reality of who Jesus is, not just with our people, but with all people, even those we perceive to be our enemies like the Samaritans, even even among those we thought we would never talk to like the ends of the earth. So how might the Spirit of God be leading you in his power toward those who think, look, act, vote, believe, or worship differently than you? How might the power of the Spirit want to break down the walls between us and others so that the power of his Spirit might break down the walls between them and God? And as the power, the Spirit's power works in us as a church, because it's also moving beyond us. So we see Jesus has to not only deepen their vision, but broaden their vision. But last, what's the final misconception the disciples had? Last, we may hope the Spirit will change things right away, (laughs) but his power works in God's perfect timing. They wanted the Spirit to restore the kingdom to Israel, what, at this time, right now. No time is better than the present, Jesus, so let's go storm Jerusalem. Right? It's right for the picking. But Jesus replied, somewhat, I, I can imagine that this truly surprised them. He says, it is not for you to know the times and the dates that are set that the Father has set by his own authority. He says, but go wait in Jerusalem. In other words, he said, none of this is going to happen in your strength or your timing. It's going to happen because the Father does it. That when Jesus was born into this world, he ushered in the kingdom of God. But the expansion of that kingdom of God isn't immediate, but it's gradual. And from the moment that the Christ ascended to heaven, to the day that he returns, his mission to us as his people, as he says, I've given you the power of my spirit so that I can continue to work in you and through you as witnesses of me until I return. The mission is not done until he comes back. We may want it now. We may want it now. And we may not always understand why. Why, God, is it taking so long? But as Peter said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why, God, why? He says, because i still got people I'm trying to reach. Still got people who don't know me. But if our vision is that the Spirit's power should work here and now, then we may be very tempted to try to jump ahead of him. To, when we get together, to conjure up some emotional experience to try to make it happen. To create an artificial human movement instead of waiting for his spirit. But if the timing 
is up to our God, then our role is to learn to listen and obey, a.k.a. follow. See, the Spirit's power works in us and moves beyond us as we learn to follow him. And so when we put all that together, everything we just laid out, what is God's vision for how the Spirit wants to work through us? Is that as we learn to follow his leading, the Holy Spirit works powerfully through us to make God's rule a living and present reality in this world. And now we're going to get into that a bit more next week. Next week we're going to talk a bit more about the, the, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, those kinds of things that people have a lot of questions about when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want us to see that, that those aren't the only way, right? There are a variety of different ways that the power of the Spirit shows up in our lives. We talked about in the previous weeks how He empowers us with, with gifts, like the ability, when you, just, when you get in front of somebody, maybe some of you, you just have the ability to discern right away what they're going through. You know exactly how to pray or speak to them. For some of you, like, it is the power of the Spirit that has given you compassion to, to consistently serve others even when others give up on them. For others of you, you may have the ability to hold on to faith when, others, when it seems completely dark. You may know how to effectively teach and encourage others or serve in a way that really makes a difference or speak a message from God that you just get in the moment to build somebody up, to learn languages and to work miracles, to pray for people, to see healing. These are all gifts and ways that the Spirit empowers us. But those, that power, these gifts, are not just for the church when we get together, right? They are for all parts of life. It is the Spirit who empowers you to love that person who lives with you. Some of you are like, I just felt that deep. <laughs> I just felt that deep. Like, it is the Spirit who empowers us to know how to love our spouses if you have a family or to train our kids in the way of the Lord. It is the Spirit who empowers us at work to create, strategize, build, heal, care for, and lead all for the good of others and for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each is a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I want you to take that verse and put it at your desk at work. So that you remember that the Spirit is empowering you in that. It's the Spirit that empowers you to know how to share Christ with someone who would never step foot in a church. But in all these things, the Spirit empowers us. Why? To transform human hearts, to break down the walls between people and God, and to see God's kingdom grow. And again, it's the Spirit's power that does this. But our role, Jesus says, is to be witnesses of Christ. And I have to hit that hard because for some of us, myself included, I see this vision of transforming hearts, breaking down walls, all these things. I'm like, oh, that's overwhelming. I, like, <laughs> I don't, I, like, you, you sure you got the right guy, God? But Jesus says, remember, I never asked you to do any of this in your strength. Never. Our job, and your job is not to figure out how to do it all on your own. He said, your role is to be witnesses of me. And if we are witnesses, then first, a witness learns to wait and listen through prayer. I feel like I've been ragging on the disciples a bit in this message so far, but to their credit, 
after they heard what Jesus said, they did not go plan a strategy meeting to try to figure out how to get it all done on their own. Right? They immediately got together and waited. They didn't fool themselves into believing that they could do it on their own. But they sat together and they prayerfully listened to their God. Do you realize the church of Jesus did not begin with anxious striving but from a place of rest? It did not begin because they tried to make something happen. But because they learned to listen and pray. Which hits right at my task-driven self. But second, a witness is also someone who has learned to trust the Spirit. To be a witness means that you've experienced the love and the reality of Christ personally in your own life. You may have stories of his faithfulness in the dark days. You may have stories of his peace and anxiety, his power that healed you, his grace that picked you up when you fell short. You see, a witness doesn't just know about the gospel, that Jesus died for our sin. He rose again to give us new life, and then he ascended to the Father, and he one day returned. They don't just know about it, but they can tell you the stories of how that reality has changed them. And how they've grown to trust God, his love, and his spirit. That's called faith. So my question for you is, what is your story? How has God changed you? Because it is often by remembering our own story that God grows our trust, our faith, and equips us to be his witnesses, people full of faith and trust. And last, as we grow in our ability to listen and pray and our ability to trust, then when the Spirit leads us, a witness takes a step in obedient love. That as we learn to listen and trust, we learn to love. So even when the Spirit of God tells us or directs us or invites us to do something that is so uncomfortable <laughs> for us, talking to somebody we never thought we would, doing something that we never thought we are, saw ourselves doing. When we know it's him that's leading us, we can trust that he must know best for us. And the results of that, well, that's really up to him. Our job is to simply say yes, because we've learned to trust. But because we love Jesus and we love his presence, we would rather go someplace where he is than stay where he is not. The mission that God is accomplishing through us is bigger than us, but God is doing it through us by the power of his spirit. And the more that I seek God for this church and I seek God for this community in this whole area north of Boston, the more my prayer has become, God, will you just do something that only you can do here? Because truth is, man, if, if, if all church was, was a, a, a comfortable place where we could come to be entertained and hear an encouraging message, we could probably do that on our own. I mean, let's be real. Like, we might even get a few people to show up on our own. 
We might even build a building. We might even get a budget. Who knows? But if we want God to show up among us in a way that transforms lives, that heals people's hearts and bodies, one that we see people forgiven and set free from the power of sin and addiction, one that breaks down the walls between us and others, one that reconciles people from bitterness, one that, where we see people come to Christ in radical ways, if we want to see Christ's vision become a reality in our cities and communities, then we have no other choice but to lean into and trust the power of God's Spirit who lives within us and is among us. Why? Because we cannot do it on our own. I don't care how talented anyone is. We cannot do it on our own. But the, 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 if we're going to see God's vision, His vision become a reality here and in our communities, it begins by learning to listen, trust, and obey His Spirit no matter what comes. And one day, one day, this vision of God will be fully realized. Jesus will return. The Lamb of God who suffered for the sin of the world will finally receive to himself a people. And they will be a people of every tribe, language, group, and nation. And they will wear a white robe, pure, because it is washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. And they will be a kingdom and a priest to our God. And, and in that day, all that isn't of God will pass away. And the gap between heaven and earth will be gone as God dwells with us for all eternity. And just as God promised to send his spirit to us, and he did, he promises that day will come. And it will. But until that day, we get to participate with him as he reaches a world that is yet to know him. And we get to be a part of that together by the power of his spirit. The mission that God is accomplishing through us is bigger than us. But God is doing it through us by the power of his spirit. And so what I want to do in response to all of this is just have the worship team come on up. But I also, can you guys stand up for me? Sorry about this audible. But prayer partners, if you're in here, can you come on up? Anybody who's a prayer partner, just come on up and stand right up here. There's some of you in here that, man, you are struggling. And you've been struggling for a long time. It could be with relationships. It could be with addiction. It could be with a sin. It could be, I don't know, you name it. Fear, anger. But you're finally to a place where you're like, I'm desperate I'm, I, I'm done trying in my own strength to do this. I'm ready for God by his power to bring about a change in my life. If that's you, during this final song, I want you to come down and have one of these pray for you. Could you pray to the Holy Spirit right now where you are? Sure. Is that valid? Sure. But there's something about having somebody else pray for you that is an expression of grace to you. Because it's showing that it's something that you receive. Come down and have them. Everything said down here is confidential, 100% confidential. We make sure of that. 
but have them pray over you that the power of the Spirit would work in that situation. Worship team, I'm going to ask that just keep the volume down a little bit so we can make sure that we can hear up here. But if that's you and you are desperate and you're like, I just need the power of the God to work in my situation, I want you to come on down and have somebody here pray with you, okay? Because it starts learning to listen, trust, and then take that step in obedient love. That step for you may be right now, just having somebody pray for you. So Lord, we, we know your spirit is here, but we welcome you here. We welcome you to work in a way that only you can. To come and to break the chains of struggle, hurts, habits, hang-ups, addiction, that you will come and cleanse us that we might be fully transformed to live as witnesses of you. So God, I pray that you will place upon the hearts of everybody in here who, who you know is that place where, where you want to do something powerful in their lives. God, will you prompt them to come down and receive prayer and know that this is a safe place. Nobody's judging them. But this is a place of grace for that's all we have before you is simply grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the power of your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen.